Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Good evening, everybody. How are we doing tonight? I just want to maintain this spirit of worship and this atmosphere of reverence and of contemplation on um, what we have going on in our lives as we look at... We've, we've seen this week how the world takes freedom and turns it into something that's not really free. We, we, we've, we've discussed the difference between free living or doing what it is that you want to do because you want to do it, the difference between that and living in freedom or living under the knowledge that you are at peace with God, your creator, and being able to do what it is that you've been designed by your creator to do. We've discussed the shackles that sin places on us, right? These, these chains of guilt that hold us down to what it is that we no longer wish to participate in. Because we feel guilty when we do something wrong and oftentimes to satiate the guilt, we'll go back to doing that wrong thing so that we can forget about what we're doing that is wrong. And it's this endless cycle that replays itself over and over again. And last night, we talked about the price that was paid for our sin. God Almighty, creator of the universe, above all of everything, sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to be bound in human form, to live a perfect life, which on this earth, by the way, isn't an easy thing to do, to live a perfect life so that his reward for that perfect life live at the end of his time here on earth would be death and not just some kind of sudden merciful death, but a long drawn out 24 hour experience of him being executed by the Roman army of the time. And he did that so that we could have freedom and live freely under God, knowing that our sin has been paid for. And tonight, before we leave, before we go home, and before we go back to our normal, this last opportunity that we have as a community of people to open God's word, what we're going to do, and my, my prayer is, is that we're going to be able to fully explore what it is to, 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 to be living in freedom, the next part, so to speak. Now that we have this freedom, some of us this week have made professions of faith, which is awesome. Some of us have, have made a decision to renew um, the way that we interact with God. That's awesome. There's a box full of rocks up here that represents, two boxes full of rocks rather, that represent sin that we believed was holding us back and had us shackled. And we're going to go home with that newfound freedom. But like, what do we do with it? What do we do with that, with that freedom? We, we had a dog for a really long time, and, and we would take her to the dog park. And as soon as we would unhook her leash, she would just stand there and look at us. And we're like, Zoe, you're at a dog park. Like, figure it out, right? And she'd just stand there, and she would look at us. And sometimes she would like sit there and look at us and we're like, you have all of Rockford Park ahead of you, girl. What are you doing? And then sometimes we'd be like, go on, Zoe, go, go do your thing. 
I think she just wouldn't. And sometimes I had to like scare her to get her to run away and to start running and playing with the other dogs. She had this newfound freedom. She went from a tiny little apartment to being hooked to a lead to being taken to a park and unhooked. And she did not know what to do with that freedom. And I think as, as, as humans, we, we often have a similar experience. So what we're going to do is, is we're going to read some scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get after it tonight. I'm really excited about what the Lord has for us. Let's read God's word. It says this. Therefore, brothers, and I want to tell you guys a secret. Every time you see the word therefore in scripture, you have to ask yourself the question, what is the therefore, therefore? And if you'll remember, we just in Hebrews chapter 10 from uh, the first night, we just talked about how free we are because of what Jesus did on the cross. We just talked about just how much our sins have been forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. So what the author of this passage is saying is that you are hyper, super duper free because of what Jesus did. And because of that, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, so because all of these things are true, in verse 22 it says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Therefore, brothers, since we have the confidence to enter the holy places, man, let's pray. Lord, we, we come before you. God, we, we thank you for who you are and how much you love us. God, thank you for your son and his death on the cross. God, thank you for Christian community. God, thank you for freedom, the freedom you've granted us that we don't deserve, but that you've given us simply because you love us and we can't give you anything back for it, but you've given it to us anyway. God, I pray that you would take every thought captive. God, I pray that you would empty me of myself. God, I pray that you would create an atmosphere in this room where our hearts can be open and ready to receive the truth of your word, and that ears can be open and ready to hear the truth of your word. God, I pray that lives are changed this evening. And God, for the lives that have been changed already this week, God, I pray that you would put a fire in them, that they would be able to continue to live the way that you've designed them to. God, help us remember these passages. Lord, we love you. We need you. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Guys, let's start with verse 19. Let's read that again. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have the confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Confidence. Confidence means so much, doesn't it? Confidence means so much. Me and my little boy have really been enjoying this like run of success the Phillies have had. 
I, I was a I was born in a family that was like hyper Philadelphia. My grandfather owned a hoagie shop in this town called Media, Pennsylvania. It was called Tiny Tees, which was hilarious because I kid you not, the dude was seven foot tall, 350 pounds, and he wasn't fat. He was just built like someone's house, right? So, so his last name was Trinkle. So everyone called him Tiny because like, I think they thought that was funny, right? So, so Tiny Tees was this hoagie shop, and, and, and back in the day when you had a corner store like that, you had all of these vendors that would come and sell you tasty cakes, and they would sell you potato chips, and they would sell you bread and all of this stuff. And my grandfather, to get a good price on the bread and the soda and the potato chips and the so on and the so forth, what he would do is at the beginning of every season, he would buy season tickets to the Flyers, and he would buy season tickets to the Phillies. So in my family, we're all Philadelphia sports fans, and um, he'd have tickets to the 76ers too, I think, as well. But we, we, we were all fans, and, and the Phillies have been miserable for a really long time. And me and my son have been watching the Phillies, and it's so much fun. And it's hilarious because I'm asking my four-year-old baseball strategy, and he says the same thing every time, and he just doesn't really get what's going on, but it's fun, and we're being together. But confidence can be literally the difference maker between someone who is able to hit the ball and someone who is not able to hit the ball. I don't know if you guys are sports people, but there's this guy on the Phillies. His name is Trey Turner, and he's supposed to be awesome. And for the past couple of weeks, he has been aggressively mediocre. So some guy got on Instagram and said, hey, every time Trey Turner gets up to bat, the entire stadium is just going to lose its mind. And it went viral on social media. And sure enough, man, Trey Turner stepped up to the plate and everyone was expecting him to not hit the ball. But you know what they did? They gave that guy a standing ovation. Everyone stood up, lost their minds like you couldn't hear yourself think in Citizens Bank Park because everyone was just going crazy for Trey Turner. And they did that every single time. And sure enough, like five or six times in, that guy hits a two-run home run. Blows it out of the park. Confidence has the ability to impact whether or not you're going to actually be able to do something. Your confidence in your freedom is going to directly impact your quality of life. Your confidence in your freedom is going to directly impact the life more abundant that you're going to be able to live in Jesus. And the reason for that is part of the reason that we're able to live confidently is because we have a knowledge that our sin has been forgiven. And because of that, therefore, brothers, we have the confidence to enter into the holy place of God. Or in other words, in layman's terms, for all of us in here, Scripture promises us that when our sins are forgiven, we have the ability to go directly to God Almighty. We can enter the throne room of God. It's difficult for us to understand what this means because none of us have sat under a king or a queen before. But the throne room is reserved for the king or the queen and their court. You are not allowed to enter the throne room unless you are given specific permission. And in the Middle Ages and before then, if you entered the throne room without permission, that was a death sentence. 
If you entered the throne room and you were not supposed to be in there, the king would nod or the queen would nod their head and point in your direction and a soldier would come over and end your life because you came into an area that was off limits to you. So we have the ability to walk into the throne room knowing that we've been invited because we know that Jesus died for our sin and we know that when God looks upon us, he doesn't see our iniquity or our sin. He only sees his son Jesus. We can enter confidently into his throne room and we can be confident before men, meaning we don't have to worry about what other people around us think about us anymore because we know that we are a chosen child of the most high God, right? Isaiah 43 says that I have, this is God talking to his people, I have called you by name. You are mine. If any of you have ever gone to work with your dad before or your mom before, you know exactly what I mean. You go into the employee area and you're like, I definitely don't belong back here, right? And you're looking kind of sheepish. And then your parent grabs you and says, hi, everybody, this is my son. And you're all embarrassed because like, why am I in here? But you now have confidence in your dad that you're allowed to be somewhere. My son has too much confidence. He thinks it's cool to hop up on stage at church and play everyone's instruments. But if anyone were to ever to ask him, like, Tucker, what are you doing? He would probably say, oh, my dad, he's like a pastor here. This is cool. And it's not. But he does that. He has confidence. We are able to have confidence before God and before man because what Jesus has done for us. Now, here's the caveat to that. Don't be arrogant. Because you've done nothing. Don't be arrogant because you have no success to claim. Don't be arrogant because the only reason you are able to have confidence before God and man is because of what Jesus did for you. You've done nothing. In fact, the Apostle Paul says that our good works are like dirty rags, like they're worthless. The things that we do that are good for other people and the things that we do that feel good and, and, and our good deeds and so on and so forth, all of those things mean nothing before God. The only, things that mean, the only thing that means anything is the ultimate payment for our sin, and we are not able to make that payment. Only God is able to make that payment through his son, Jesus Christ. Don't be arrogant, but know that you have confidence before God and man. We only have this confidence through the blood of Jesus. Because we only have this confidence through the blood of Jesus. Jesus paid for our sin. Jesus did the work, not you. The next point here that, 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 that I want to make is that we have a new living way. We, we, we have a new living way. Right? Hebrews 10:20 says that by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. In other words, there was an imagery being painted here because the temple that all of these Jewish people would have been familiar with had this curtain, and the, that was a huge bug. And this curtain, <laughs> this curtain blocked off everybody outside from being able to go into where Jesus sat 
with his people. You weren't allowed to go in there unless you went through all this ritualistic cleansing so that you could go and be in the presence of God. And what this is saying is, is that Jesus' death tore that curtain. And biblical account tells us that when Jesus breathed his last breath, that curtain was torn not from the bottom up like a human could tear it, but from the top down like only God could tear it. And through his flesh, we have this new living way. Because of Jesus' death, we have a new way of living. Guys, I want to I tell you a secret, all right? If you are in here and you have made a profession of faith, if you accepted Jesus as your Savior, I'm talking about those of us who have felt a call in our heart and have made a decision that we are no longer going to be living the way that we did live, but we are going to be living the, uh, under Jesus's blood and payment for our sin. And we have accepted him. We have called on his name and we've confessed it with our mouth and we believe it in our heart that he is Lord. If we've done that, you have a completely new way of living and you have to treat this thing, this life as totally new You have to treat this life as totally new. So many times the enemy, Satan himself, likes to get into our head. And after we've accepted Christ and we start living the way that the Lord would have us live, we, he, he, he causes us to remember all of the things that we used to do. And he causes us to remember all of the things that we did and we feel guilt and we feel shame and we might even feel tempted to start those things over again. And what I'm here to tell you is, is that that is a lie from Satan and you can ignore that and you can treat your life as totally new, which means new habits. It means new norms for you. It means a deeper prayer life. It means a prayer life that you can know and have rest assurance that it is being heard. When you get on your hands and knees in the morning and you ask God for strength to get through the day and to handle your crazy math teacher and to handle your angry coach and to ha handle that, 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 that test that you don't feel super prepared for or even to handle that speech class that you're just quaking in your boots because you hate public speaking, all of that, when you ask for all of those things, you can have confidence that he will hear you because your life is new now. You can serve the Lord with freedom and freeness, knowing that all of those things that you might feel guilty for have been paid for. And because it has been paid for, you no longer have to feel guilty for it. When you accept Christ, the Bible says that all of your sins are taken and put at the bottom of the ocean floor. Where God has forgiven them, they have been paid for, and then he has forgotten them. We have to treat this thing as totally new. And we have to do that so that we can truly live to be who God has called and made you to be. This means that no matter your past, the Lord still has a plan for your life. And that plan is you living as he has designed you to live. 
I mean, think of the joy that my weird little pit bull dog must have felt when we finally said, you can go and run now. She was cooped up in that 750 square foot apartment for most of the day, except for when we walked her in the morning, we walked her in the afternoon, or we took her to the park. Imagine the joy she must have felt in her heart when we were like, go, run. And let me tell you something, this dog could run. I've never seen a dog run this fast in my entire life. She would outrun every single one of the dogs at the dog park. It was hilarious. You couldn't even see her. It was like this flash of gray would run past your eyes when she would go by you. Like, God forbid you were standing in the middle of the field and she would knock you over, right? It was crazy. She was living as she was designed to live, to run. She was a running dog. She loved to run. Some of you are artistic humans. You love to do art, and God has called you to do art, to bring glory to him, and you are only able to do that if you freely live. Fill in the same blanks for my athletes in the room, for my musicians in the room, for my public speakers in the room, for my environmentalists. Some of you guys love caring for God's creation. Well, if you're in this room, you get to do that truly free, living freely under what God has done for you. You can step before the throne knowing that you are cleansed with clean water. You've been sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did for you. And, and, and you hear me say this, don't think that God's plan is this bullseye that you have to figure out and if you don't make the right choice, you'll miss it. No. God's plan is so much more beautiful than that. It's something that he has designed and will draw you to and, and pull you towards. And you know what? If you mess up, Psalm says that God is faithful to pull you up out of a pit that you've accidentally ended up into. All you have to do is ask yourself the question, how can I glorify God in doing what I am doing and make that step forward? Because of Jesus' death, we have a new way of living. We can live for him. We can live freely. And we cannot live being concerned over when our sin is going to come back and bite us because we have forgotten it. We have left it behind and we've been forgiven of it. We can draw near as clean. We can draw near as clean. We can, we can, draw, we can draw near as clean. When we, when we go before our heavenly father, he sees you and me as clean. As if we've not done anything wrong. Some of you have allowed this bucket of guilt down in your soul to prevent you from having a life-giving relationship with your creator because you're under this assumption that you are too gross for him to ever want to talk to you. Or that you've done too much for him to ever want, or I'm just not a church person. Because you don't know what I've done. And some of you might even be thinking, Tim, that's great, but you don't know what I've done. Let me tell you a secret. We all have those stories I bet you that if you told me your story, I've probably heard it a hundred times over. And the reason for that is, is that Satan has a pattern and he likes to attack people in the similar ways. And, and, and no matter what you've done, Jesus still can forgive you. There's no, there's no place in scripture where there's a limit to God's forgiveness. Um, all you have to do is just accept Jesus and you'll be totally forgiven. And then you can approach the throne as 
clean. You can approach the throne as, as clean. If you've accepted Christ and you are afraid to pray, if you've accepted Christ and you are afraid to go to church, if you've accepted Christ and you're afraid to start a relationship with him and to build that relationship because of the things that you've done, I'm here to tell you that nowhere in scripture does it say that you should do that. In fact, it says that when you are going through it, you should go directly to God and he will see you and he will hold you and he will walk you through that loving you well and directing you and healing your heart. It says that all over scripture. And if you want proof of that, take a look at David and what he did with Bathsheba and that whole disaster of a kerfuffle of a mess and watch how God still called him a man after his own heart. There is nothing you can do to get God to start loving you less. There is nothing that you can do to get God to start loving you less. And with that, let's read verse 23. It says this. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. God is the one who has promised all of this and he is faithful. So I want you to do this. I want you to not give up. The whole beginning part of our conversation this evening was us knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have the forgiveness and the salvation that comes from accepting Jesus because of what Jesus did on the cross. The whole second half of this is going to be what we can do and what we can have confidence in doing when we move forward. And the first thing that we can have confidence in doing is not giving up. Guys, no one wants to talk about the struggle. I feel like no one wants to talk about the struggle of walking with Jesus daily. It is so much fun to post verses on Instagram. It is so much fun to tell your friends about coming to church. It is so much fun to come to RVR. RVR is a blast, yo. Like this place is awesome. It is so much fun to do those things. But when you are going through it spiritually and emotionally and school is hard and your parents are difficult and there is loss and death and, and there is depression and anxiety and jobs are difficult and you just don't know and you're not sure and maybe your parents don't have the gas money to drive you to church for four weeks in a row and you're missing out on your encouragement and fill in the blank. It is really, really hard. And this passage here says to hold on to your faith without wavering. Hold fast. There's this great movie that I don't think you should go home and watch because I don't remember most of it, so I don't know what's in it, but it's a good movie anyway, okay? It's called Master and Commander, and it's about the British Navy versus the Spanish Armada, right? And the British Navy, back in the 1700s, they let like six-year-olds on their ships, okay? And there was this kid, he was like six or eight, and, and, and everyone knew that this giant battle was about to happen. The Spanish ship was coming, the, the British ship was going, they were pulling up along each other, alongside each other, and they were going to start firing cannons, and that's never a good time, okay? And this kid was terrified, and he was standing there in the middle of this deck, and there were men running around him with cannonballs and gunpowder and swords and rope and grappling hooks and screaming and yelling orders, and the waves are going, and he's terrified, and he looks 
to his left, and there's this crazy-looking old guy there that his tongue at some point had gotten cut out, so he was mute. And he was standing there, and, and he grabs on to the rope that was in front of him, and he's holding it and making eye contact with this, like, eight-year-old boy. And tattooed on his knuckles was the phrase H-O-L-D-F-A-S-T, hold fast. In other words, boy, this is finna get crazy, all right? Hold on to something and don't let go. Guys, when your life becomes difficult and crazy and a whirlwind and you're not sure where to go or what to do and you're confused and you're emotional and you're depressed and there might not even be enough food to eat, there might not even be a roof over your head, you might be abandoned by every human being you've ever known. If you hold fast to your faith, man is our God who promised faithful to you. And it's not even an if. God expects us to waver in our faith because he knows that we are only human right? But as we hold fast to our faith and we continue to return to the Lord, he is faithful to encourage us. Any adult in here will tell you story after story of their temptation to give up their faith because of how difficult life has been. And then right after that, they will follow it up with, I'm confident of this, and I haven't even talked to any of y'all adults about this, but I'm confident in this because I know my God and I know how he works and I see it in scripture. We will tell you, but I didn't give up by the grace of God and look what he's done. But I didn't give up and by the grace of God, look what he has done. But not giving up is hard. But not giving up is hard. So this passage finishes with this, and this is how we're going to round up tonight. Verse 24 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It starts with, let us consider how to stir up one another. This is my favorite point that I've ever, like, I love this passage in Hebrews because basically that verse 24 means y'all need to poke each other. You guys need to poke each other. Turn to your friend and poke him, but gently, like, I don't want to get like an incident report on this, okay? Hey, guys, do you know what's really crazy? This passage was originally written. All right, you're done now, okay? Let's move on. This passage, this passage was originally written in Greek, right? Because this is the, it was the language of the time when this was written. It was originally written in leak, Greek, not leak, Greek. And, 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 and this, this stirring each other up, the Greek word for that literally means and was used to show the action of a soldier spurring his horse into battle. So this isn't just like, hey, really make sure you guys are doing okay, okay? No, this is, hey, go out of your way to make sure that the friends that love Jesus around you are doing what it is that they need to do. Make sure they are holding fast to their faith, which means that some of the friends that you made at RVR this week that you know love Jesus and they know you love Jesus, when you see them doing something crazy on Instagram or TikTok or fill in the blank, this passage would tell you to lovingly ask them what it is that they are doing. This passage would ask you to lovingly ask them to make sure that they are going to church the way that they need to because we need that. That they're reading their Bible and praying the way that we know that God wants them to. Finally, guys, I want to encourage you to do this. Be together. You need it. Find a Christian community in your home and be there as much as the doors are open. You need it. It is so 
good for your soul. It helps you hold fast because when everyone is holding fast, it's easier for you to hold fast. Be together. You need it. And finally, guys, serve one another. The whole point of this freedom, the whole point of this freedom is so that you could serve one another. You could serve the Lord over serving whatever sin that you have chosen or that you believe has chosen you. That you could serve one another. That you could serve the church. That you could do things that would draw people unto Christ instead of doing things that make you feel good. Serve over sin. There's this beautiful passage in Galatians chapter 5 that I think puts the, the full stop, the rubber stamp on our whole week together. Moving from freedom being defined incorrectly by the world, freedom being redefined by Christ, us being able to move to freedom because what Jesus has done and us fully understanding the full cost of this freedom that has been purchased for us, we know that we can move to serving people and serving the Lord and being close with him over doing whatever it is that we want. And Galatians chapter 5.13 says this, and it is poignant, and it is beautiful, and it would serve us well to remember it for the rest of our lives. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. You've been called to a life of peace under your creator. Total freedom. You've been called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Do not use your freedom for an opportunity to do what makes you feel good. Do not serve yourself, but through love, serve one another. RVR, God did some work this week. We know true freedom. Because of what Jesus did at the cross. If I took my dog to the park and I let her off her leash and she refused to run, I'd be frustrated with her. I'd be angry with her. Like, I put clothes on to come out to this cold park on this cold morning so that you could run, dog. I bought you freedom, dog, by... By, by getting in my car and driving over here or making the walk. It was about a mile away from our house at the time. I, I came all the way out here and there's people out here and I haven't even had coffee yet, dog, and you're not running. What are you doing? Guys, Jesus has bought you freedom. Do not waste that freedom by sitting there and looking at each other. Go do what God has designed you to do. Live in freedom and experience peace that passes all understanding. Experience joy that does not stop no matter your circumstances. And ultimately experience life more abundantly here on earth and life eternal. We're going to be in heaven for a billion years and it's not even going to have, to be, it's not even going to have begun yet. Do not leave camp this week without having a conversation here with someone you trust about how you can come to know Jesus, about how you can live in that freedom, and about how you can be everything that God designed you to be. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are and how much you love us. God, thank you for your freedom. God, I pray that the hearts here that are changed would be encouraged 
God, I pray that the hearts here that have been stirred would be encouraged to speak to somebody so that they can see what the change looks like. They can see what that freedom looks like. And God, I pray that you would encourage these leaders and these adults in the room, God, that they would run the race, that they would finish the race. They would honor you in what you've called them to do. Lord, thank you. Amen. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.